From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers Magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, July 18th through Friday, July 22nd, 2022. It was a week of record-setting heat in terms of the meteorological as well as political climate. And even the president's not immune to COVID. Get ready for a powerful hour of Black Belt Talk Radio during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, we've got righties, and we've got fence sitters. Please don't get angry. Just listen closely and while doing so, maintain a degree of educated skepticism, regardless of whether or not you agree. We'll be joined by Kevin Casey at Talkers with a countdown of the 10 biggest topics of the week. Victoria Jones in Washington, D.C., John DePietro in Providence, Rhode Island, Hal Rowe in Hickory, North Carolina, Tim Van Horn in Memphis, Tennessee, and Matthew B. Harrison in Springfield, Massachusetts. Influential yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations and the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do a daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Rap, heard coast-to-coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information is gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thank you, Michael. At number 10 this week, LGBTQ rights. A wide array of civil rights issues are being talked about on news talk shows across America this week. And LGBTQ issues are among them. The House called a vote this week on the Respect for Marriage Act, which would codify federal protections for same-sex couples. 47 Republicans voted yes. That raises the possibility that there could be narrow bipartisan agreement for the legislation to move ahead in the Senate and make its way to the president's desk and be signed into law. At number nine, abortion rights. Since the Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade, abortion rights have been a major topic of political contention in all 50 states across the nation. And that's because the power to legislate abortion has been thrown back to the states by the federal government. At number eight, a tie between race relations and immigration. Former Minneapolis police officer Thomas Lane was sentenced to two and a half years in prison in a federal court on Thursday morning for violating George Floyd's civil rights. He was one of three officers imprisoned for their roles in the killing of the 46-year-old African-American that sparked outrage across the nation in the summer of 2020. And on the immigration front, the pressure on America's southern border remains at a crisis level for yet another week with no relief in sight. At number seven, COVID-19. The big pandemic story of the week was the news that President Biden has tested positive for the coronavirus, although fully vaccinated and boosted, he has reportedly been displaying mild symptoms and continuing his presidential duties. The troubling BA5 variant continues to show signs of being extremely contagious as the number of cases, hospitalizations, and even deaths has begun rising at a steady rate in what's turning out to be yet another summertime wave of COVID-19. At number six, the Russian 
Russia-Ukraine war. Russia continues to pound Ukraine's civilian targets with missiles, death and destruction as the West continues to provide the Zelensky government with money and arms. A new round of talks between Turkey, Russia and Ukraine on the export of Ukrainian grain has reportedly begun at week's end in Turkey. The economic implications of this war from food to natural gas continue to grow in impact and complexity. In the meantime, Zelensky claims that Ukraine has the ability to maintain the fight and inflict significant damage on the Russian occupiers in the eastern part of his country and even push them back. Wishful thinking? At number five, the economy. Inflation remains the focal point of America's economic woes, but gasoline prices continue to ease, which is indeed somewhat of a bright spot in terms of the outlook for eventual recovery. The worker shortage continues to be a problem in a number of industries while all eyes are on the Federal Reserve in terms of its handling of interest rates going forward. Economists continue to warn of a looming recession. At number four, the heat wave and global warming. More than 85% of Americans are preparing for temperatures above 90 degrees Fahrenheit throughout the weekend, with millions in the South Central U.S. expecting to experience readings in the triple digits. More than 100 million people across America have suffered under heat alerts this week, and Europeans have had it even worse, as wildfires have been breaking out all across the abnormally hot U.K., as well as other nations. Obviously, this has elevated the ongoing climate change issue and debate to front-burner status in the national conversation, no pun intended. At number three, crime and gun control. The crime wave statistics in urban America continue to grow and it's spreading beyond the cities where an atmosphere of lawlessness continues to permeate the streets. Many observers cite this disturbing trend as the negative consequences of the police defunding movement that became a popular civil rights rallying cry back in the summer of 2020. It's definitely a case of be careful what you wish for. The problem is also being attributed to excessively liberal district attorneys and judges in the big cities who keep putting repeat offenders back on the streets in what is described as a revolving door. At number two, partisan politics and elections. As expected, each Republican primary race is being judged to one degree or another as a referendum within the party on the power and potential held by former President Donald Trump to grab the GOP nomination for a third run in 2024. So far, the results have been a mixed bag. Meantime, reports from Democratic Party insiders continue to indicate that its leaders are becoming increasingly disenchanted with the prospects of Joe Biden being their standard bearer in 2024 as well. And at number one this week, the January 6th committee hearings. The trial of Trump thumper Steve Bannon has been an interesting sideshow to the big committee hearings that have made their way back to the top of the talker's survey, with the question being, okay, so now that all the testimony has been presented implicating the former president of dereliction of duty, not to mention unprecedented criminal abuse of executive power, what you going to do about it? Next week, we'll bring this horrific legal exercise to a head, and the committee and the nation will find itself between a rock and a hard place. Will we be better off prosecuting a former president who still wields a critical mass of popularity, or just letting him get away with it? And that's what this hokey pokey is really all about. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's kick off the interview segment of this week's program by checking in with our international woman in the nation's capital, the executive director of the D.C. radio company and our Washington correspondent, Victoria Jones. It's hot, hot, 
hot. And I'm sure that you're hearing from a lot of your connections back in your native Great Britain where it's particularly hot, hot, hot. They're having a heat wave (laughs) and they're not prepared for it. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's so crazy. They had a heat wave um, and then they had storms and floods. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And of course, they're not prepared for it. It's a northern country and their, their buildings are created to withstand cold. So what are, and they don't have air conditioning. That's interesting. That's an interesting um, observation or a fact that has come out of all of this, that the the folks in uh, Great Britain, most of them do not have air conditioning. It uh, harkens back to uh, the world I grew up in when people had to escape the cities even in regular summers to go up to the mountains or to go to cooler places, to go to the beaches, um, because um, air conditioning was something that, um, yeah, you had fans. And fans do work, but only to a certain extent. Um how is the psychology there? I mean, last week, two weeks ago, they were reeling under the pressure of um, government shakeup, Boris Johnson resigning, uh, and and that does affect the psyche and the nervous system of a country. And um, the the Russia Ukraine war is having a particular impact on the cost of energy and the cost of living. We talk about inflation here in the United States being a problem. They're facing it perhaps on even a worse level. And now this, I know you have relatives, I know you have friends, and I know you're in touch with Great Britain all the time in terms of your international broadcasts. What's the what's the feeling there emotionally? Well, you know, there's this element of keep calm and carry on. One of the things that the British really don't like to keep calm about is heat. They don't do heat. And the newspapers and TV and radio love to make a big deal when the weather in the summer is going to be above 70 degrees Fahrenheit. They say things like in the headlines like, Coo, what a scorcher, you'll hear a newscaster say. So you can imagine when it's going to be 104, they've run out of things to say. So the British actually have just not known what to do with themselves. And it's literally become very, very dangerous. I mean, people have been dying going swimming. Literally, they've died going swimming. Um, The buildings are not meant for it. There have been cuts to firefighters in the last 10 years. So there have not been enough firefighters, not enough fire engines. They've had wildfires in Britain and throughout Europe, and they just have had enough. And interestingly, you mentioned Boris Johnson, the prime minister, resigning. So there's a leadership race in the Conservative Party. Well, they have debates and mentioned in the debates is, so what are you going to do about energy, about climate, about insulation? Well, they didn't do very well, the candidates, in terms of what they were prepared to spend or do. And this was as the weather was heating up and everybody was fanning themselves with newspapers, radios, anything that could come to hand. So so the feeling is lack of confidence in the future because the, the, the candidates, the primary candidates, the main candidates, I shouldn't say primary, uh, the main candidates don't seem to be prepared to deal with the looming disaster. Exactly. You know, you got crazy stuff like the London mayor said the London Fire Brigade got more calls this week on on the really hot day than they'd had since the Second World War. That's 
crazy. They have fires in London, and I and I understand. I was I saw in the news, you know, pictures of brush fires and wildfires, fires surrounding London as well. So it's both in the city and out in the countryside. Yes. You mentioned people are dying uh, swimming. How does that happen? Um, They're going swimming in rivers, wild swimming. Wild, drowning. wild, oh, they're drowning. In other words, people are running to the rivers and, you know, rivers can be a very dangerous place to swim. <laughs> there are some rivers, you know, they look beautiful and they have a nice riverside to the city, but, um, you know, nobody survives if they fall off a boat or goes into the river because of the currents. Um, uh, we have a, sim- a similar situation here in uh, New England, uh, the Connecticut River. It's a beautiful river, but don't go in it. Yeah, you cannot, you go in it, you don't come out of it. So they have a similar situation there, I imagine. Yes, it's not only currents, but it's also there are all these weeds and things come up and grab you. It, it's very dangerous. Or they go swimming in the sea and they forget that there are tides. It's 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 very dangerous. So it's it's been very frightening to people. And there is a sense that really they're not prepared. They're also very aware that with the Russia-Ukraine war, Russia's been turning off the gas and then turning it on again, but you know, using it as a weapon, using gas as a weapon, and they're not sure if they're going to have enough heat for the winter. Has Have the British people been as tuned in um, uh, as we have had here in America for years now, the the climate change debate, which is, you know, you talk about using gas as a weapon, the the weaponization of um, the climate uh, change debate in the in America, which has kept it from really moving forward, um, and in a in a productive way, H- has this been a big issue? Say in the past decade and a half in Great Britain, the debate over climate and what to do about it. It's a big issue in terms of what to do about it, but it's not been weaponized in quite the same way as it has here in the US. But what's so interesting, both in the UK and in some of these European countries, is that even though they have taken bigger steps than they have in the US, apparently that hasn't got through to the greenhouse gases because they don't stand in line of passport control. One more thing since I have you, because you are located here in D.C. I imagine the big buzz in D.C. Um, is uh, emanating from the January 6th committee hearings. Just a quick um, take on the, the, the vibe, the feelings and uh, the attitude in D.C. among the political class. There's a kind of drip, drip, drip on former President Trump. Nothing like huge, but a drip, drip, drip. So I think there's a kind of sense among Republicans that, you know, it's tarnishing him a little bit for the first time. Um, On the other hand, they're looking at what they feel is a very weakened President Biden, weakened politically. And so they're sort of salivating, but they would like another candidate, I feel, feel the political classes anyway and the chattering classes in DC. They'd like another candidate really to come up and sort of sweep Trump away. That's our Washington correspondent and executive director of the DC radio company, Victoria Jones. Coming up next, a standoff in North Providence, Rhode Island. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap.
Greetings, fellow radio lovers. Thank goodness for C-Crane. C-Crane specializes in high-quality radios and radio-oriented audio products. And now, C-Crane carries their very own CC Solar Observer. When the power suddenly goes out, and that happens a lot these days, do you get that sinking feeling? Do I have a flashlight? Do I have a radio? The CC Solar Observer AM, FM, and Weather Radio will keep you informed during and after a powerless event. And it doesn't require electricity. C-Crane CC Solar Observer can be powered by the hand crank, solar panel, or common AA batteries, has a built-in flashlight, and has the ability to charge a smartphone in a pinch. I recommend it. To order the CC Solar Observer, call C-Crane now at 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863, or visit ccrane.com. Use promo code TALKERS22 for limited discounts until July 31st. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison rap, crime and guns are again big topics of conversation on this week's Talkers survey. We're joined now by talk show host John DePietro of WNRI in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Well, John, uh, you know, all the world's a stage and um, you have a habit of uh, falling upon uh, the action spots, whether it's the Russia-Ukraine war or uh, North Providence this past week had a, a gun incident and you were there covering it for your radio show and for your, um, your uh, Facebook stream. Uh, set it up. What happened? What happened, Michael, was, and, and especially now, um, I think people can relate, anything that involves guns, People are on alert for any form of a mass shooting. Uh, this was a report of an individual that had a high-powered rifle, an AR-15, in his home. He shot it off in a residential neighborhood in a dispute with a neighbor. That led to tremendous police presence, an individual that would not come out of the home. The neighborhood went into a lockdown, part evacuation, part shelter in place. Uh, I hear about this. I head over. I don't know if it's going to be a short situation, which sometimes it is, or it could be longer. It turned into, I was uh, on site in the neighborhood, which is a nice neighborhood north of Providence in its own town called North Providence. But in a residential neighborhood, you have an individual known to police, has security cameras on his property, has a lot of different types of weapons. And this went from three o'clock in the afternoon until he finally surrendered at 8.30 the following morning. And, and we were there covering it. And because of the rash of mass shootings that we've seen, these types of incidents really garner a lot of attention and put people on edge. No doubt. I, I mean, and you know what's so ironic about it is that we hear about certain ones. I don't even want to say the big ones because there are big ones we don't hear about. And how the media goes about choosing what to cover and what not to cover is a whole other subject of discussion. But um, I, I didn't hear much about this. And uh, you probably can corroborate that um, when you tell people about it, they go, I didn't know there was a a, a, a big, you know, a, a an AR-15 uh, situation in North Providence. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, it can be quite shocking. Were the neighbors terrified that this existed? I mean, did did people when you talk to the neighbors and you talk to the locals, did they know? You say the police knew about this character, but did the neighbors know yeah. that? I mean, it has to be disconcerting to find out that there's some guy in your neighborhood who could get angry at a neighbor in an in an argument and start shooting, you know, an automatic weapon. It's into the air. It does. It absolutely did. And let, let alone, then you also have some of the people that were evacuated. 
you know, you think of a summertime scene of people, you know, kids riding their bikes or people just casually strolling. No, it brings fear in because of the mass shootings that we've seen. It also um, brings, you know, that much more heightened awareness. It also, Michael, I notice it puts a lot of pressure on police. You know, the, the police in Texas are certainly being called into question for, you know, why were they waiting in the hallway? They should have burst in. There were some neighbors that I was talking to in an interview saying, what are they waiting for? They should just like barge in on the guy. It probably didn't make as much news because it had a peaceful, it had a, a peaceful resolution with the police, you know, and, and you're talking high level, every possible military uh, tactical gear, SWAT team, they have the long guns. There was an individual in the home with him. But there's, I, I noticed that people, because of what happened in Texas there, there's a lot of speculation of how police should handle a situation like that. Do they wait them out the way they did in this situation, or do they go barging in? It, 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 it puts, I find, extra pressure on the police. Plus, it's hot. Plus, this is going on for hours. Uh, it's an unknown drama that is that is playing out. And seemingly, it would seem like it could happen anywhere. Did the police seem uh, to be... On top of the situation, considering all the things they have to deal with, did did they seem frightened? Did they seem to know what to do? Uh, did you get any kind of interesting insights into the psychology of being a police person in a SWAT situation from this? I did. They, um, you know, they were even um, very transparent in communicating that at times they were communicating with him, negotiating, and then at times he would stop communication. Um, and then they would, you know, you're, you're hearing it as I'm their broadcasting, you can hear them over the loudspeaker, you know, trying to talk to him. And then finally, very late into the night, after almost 12 hours, after about 11 hours, they actually cut power to the house. So the, the, the people in the neighborhood are mixed between, they obviously don't want any type of gun battle. Uh, the police had to, as I said, evacuate various people, but at the same time, there's a feeling of how long is something like this going to go on. But the police, when the media is there, the media is watching everything that's happening. Um, there's a lot of different people. Nobody wants this to kind of go sideways. It has the potential mm-hmm. to go wrong. Um, there's a, a lot of human drama. I try to, you know, just listen to what the police are trying to say. They're sometimes trying to communicate not only to the neighbors, the people in town, but then they're maybe even hoping that the gunman is hearing some of their demands. Can you imagine what the neighbor who was being yelled at, who had the argument with him, was thinking during all of this? I mean, imagine you get into a fight with your neighbor and they start shooting a, an AR-15 into the air. That's got to be yeah. uh, unsettling, to say the least. It is. And you know what, Michael? It also just sparks the whole conversation of, because uh, our area has the red flag laws. So, you know, there's, there is a discussion of this is someone known to police, apparently, you know, was making some odd videos, potentially there were drugs involved, but it certainly brings up the question of whether or not someone like this should have, you know, weapons of, of that caliber. And I, you know, on the radio show, obviously, like everyone else, been discussing the Second Amendment and Second Amendment people are very powerful and the big supporters of my show and I support them. But it certainly raises the question when you see this type of individual, how he's behaving, is this really someone that should have access to that type of a a weapon. We're not talking about, you know, a knife or a handgun, uh, you know, threatening the police that this could turn into almost a bloodbath. You, you could step back and say, no, someone like that should not have the right to have that type of weapon where they could and almost at times seemed very willing to engage the police 
in, in some kind of a gun battle. In, in conclusion, because you talk about all the issues that are the big ones and crime in our cities. And that's that's in a nice neighborhood outside the city. Yeah. Um, but yeah. crime in our cities is one of the hottest concerns right now. Uh, in America, and it is driving elections and politics on a, on a tremendously powerful level. What's your? What do you think we need to do, or or do you have a a simple answer to a complicated question? Where do you stand on crime? You know what I I um I noticed that, and I'm glad you said that because I I think ultimately, Michael, that's a big motivator for elections. You you can't have, and I hear this all the time. You can't have. A neighborhood or a function area if people are fearful of their safety it really becomes first and foremost people will tell the question of you know everyone has the old relative that maybe stayed in the neighborhood too long and as soon as you know aunt emma or grandma or whoever gets broken into boom that's it that's the deciding thing they start packing the boxes there were that people quietly do support the police people quietly do understand that the cities have become completely overrun with crime, um, it, at its core, it's the fundamental issue I believe that people vote on. But it, it became such an outcry in the in the aftermath of the the summer 2020 with the defund the police, abolish the police, and kind of waging a war against the police. Uh, and then we're seeing the end result of it. Bottom line, people feel and see the need that you you have to have safety and protection. In your neighborhoods. That's radio talk show host John DePietro of WNRI in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. The economy is among the main concerns on the minds of Americans. We caught up with talk show host Hal Rowe, who is the morning host of WHKY in one of the furniture manufacturing capitals of America, the beautiful small city of Hickory, North Carolina. So tell me, Hal Rowe, WHKY. In Hickory, North Carolina, I have never been to Hickory, but everything I know about it, it just seems like something idyllic, about 50,000 people. It's got a beautiful downtown. It's got all kind of history. It's got a great radio station, uh, your station. What are the people in Hickory thinking about in terms of the general news that we talk about in uh, News Talk Radio? What are the big topics on their mind? Um, As far as the general topics, I think, probably matches pretty closely with the national level. Uh, the, the big headlines are what people generally will talk about day in and day out. Uh, a lot of the listeners on a local level, uh, they talk a lot about what's happening in, in their lives individually with, with jobs in the area. There are, are plenty of jobs, just not enough people to fill them. We have a wonderful community college in the area that helps with local education and, and local training for uh, some of the uh, some of the larger uh, concerns in the area of course we're known for furniture manufacturing have for a, a number of years and uh, and getting and retaining talent is is drawing talent to the area and then retaining talent is is uh, one of the concerns that that I think a lot of industry leaders have and a lot of uh, just general folk have of of getting the folks in getting them employed and and getting them to stay. Uh, Hickory is a great place to be, but it's also a, a wonderful place to, to get an education, to learn your chops, and oftentimes larger markets will come calling, and whether that's for paramedics, for police officers, um, sometimes the, the young folks will, will migrate away for the, the call of the city. And then, of course, uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, a small-town feel 
And so a lot of people will say, I don't want the Charlotte, North Carolina traffic. I want to be close enough to Charlotte that I can enjoy going down and seeing a pro football game, a basketball game, see a concert, come back and sleep in my own bed at night. We're really fortunate as far as our location to the high country and the beautiful mountains and Boone and Blowing Rock. We're not that far away from the coast. You can make it there in the morning, have a nice lunch and a nice day on the beach and come back and, and sleep in your home, home bed. So uh, I think that probably the, the main concern for our local folks is getting that talent, finding it, keeping it, retaining it here in the area. But it is, it's just a great place to be. I think it's wonderful for folks who are on their way up and want to learn. It's also a wonderful place for people to settle maybe later in their career. They've done Atlanta. They've done New York. Uh, they come to Hickory and they say, this this is a nice place to be. You have a lot to offer as far as a community, but you, uh, you also have a, a, a nice laid-back lifestyle. So it's a great place to be. What's the story there specifically to the um, furniture industry? In my opinion, back um, after the the Great Recession in 08, we had a lot of uh, case goods or bedroom furniture cabinets, uh, wood product um, entities go overseas. Uh, China got a lot of those jobs. So a lot of hardworking folks who um, had been there working for uh, the furniture factories for a number of years had, had come to depend on them for a, for a good income, were there every day through no fault of their own, lost their jobs. And I think that a lot of it has been um, parents who are telling their, their youngsters, I don't care what you do, but you're just not going into the factories. And that's been a big, uh, big hurdle to overcome for a lot of uh, local uh, furniture factories. Now, the upholstered furniture, sofas, chairs, uh, living room furniture, as a lot of people may refer to it, but upholstered furniture, more of a fashion industry, what colors are hot this year, what, what style may be hot, um, a lot of those folks never did lose their jobs. And a lot of those folks who were in upholstered furniture, trimmers, upholsters, they could make a really good living um, being craftsmen, uh, being tradesmen in the area. And I think a lot of times young folks are not as interested in being craftsmen and, and, and being uh, known for fine quality work. So I think that you have the kind of a double whammy there. You have parents and, and folks who say, you're not going into the industry to the young people. A lot of young people are saying, I, I would rather choose an, an academic path. I want that college diploma. Or in many cases, they'll say, look, uh, furniture, great industry, but there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, there are robotics um, that, that are happening in our area. There's a lot of advanced technology that's emerging in our area. We have a really large business park that has um, a lot of very high-tech jobs, and, and people are, are naturally migrating to those. Yeah. And so maybe a student who would have been a high school student, go to community college, get an associate's degree, or maybe just graduate from, uh, from high school and move into a furniture factory are now saying, I can go to the community college, I can go to you know, learn new job skills, I can make a, a good living, and, and maybe something that I can take with me too. Atlanta, or I could take with me to Chattanooga, or I can move to a different area with these skills that that are more transferable than than becoming a master craftsman and working in a in a furniture factory. So I think you have a couple different factors there. It's just like everything else. There's no simple solution or one answer. No one size fits all. But I, I think that we have a couple of things that are are specific to our area that that may have caused the uh, the situation where we're not getting 
the employment in some of the areas that we'd like to have. What's the feeling in uh, in your part of the in your neck of the woods about um, the U.S. relationship with China? I really think that as far as our relationship with China in our area, very forward stance. Still, a lot of furniture is produced in our area by big big furniture producers in the Casecut area who will have those those products made in China, made in Vietnam. So there's still a lot of people here who do not have a negative view of China. That's our good friend Hal Rowe, a talk show host at WHKY Hickory, North Carolina. Coming up next, a discussion about the complexities of raising children in America and a whole lot more. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, D2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. As many of you know, it's difficult to navigate a life in these complex times of rapidly accelerated media and paradoxical moral and ethical situations, which makes it even more challenging to raise children against the backdrop of nonstop cultural noise. Popular and extremely likable Tennessee morning host Tim Van Horn of our affiliate KWAM Radio in the city of Memphis is considered a pillar of the community and a widely admired family man. The following is a conversation excerpted from this week's podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview. How many children do you have? I have one, and we adopted Charlotte when uh, when she was born. It's actually an open adoption, and the we still keep in contact and visit her birth family virtually every year. They know us. We know them. In fact, they picked us uh, to adopt Charlotte, and we all uh, we all co- collaborated in the naming process, and um, you know, a, for us, it, it has been a blessing because we can sleep at night knowing that our daughter knows where she comes from, know how deep of a relationship she may have with them as she gets older is up to her. But there are no secrets, and you know she knows where she comes from. If she ever want, if she has a question about why, or maybe as she gets older, medical history, those questions can be filled in by them. So um, I, I could only imagine that there is a sense of loss 
in adoption, but I, you know, hopefully this will help her as she gets older to be able to navigate who she is and help answer questions and know that there was never a second in her life that she hasn't been loved. It's difficult raising a child anyway, uh, whether it's a biological child or an adopted child. Um, what are what, what are some of the challenges that, that you face? And I, I don't mean you personally, individually, in your family, but just as a person who has an interesting story, one could tell listening to you how deeply you care about uh, your role as a father and, and uh, you love your daughter. Uh, and, and, and the whole idea of letting them decide, letting the child decide what's important. Some people think that it's their obligation to brainwash the kid politically, religiously, or otherwise. Um, and just child raising in the 21st century seems to be a very, very complex, dangerous, <laughs> difficult, challenging thing. What are your thoughts about child raising in the 21st century for all of those folks listening to whom you can be sure this is ringing a bell. Oh gosh, uh, Michael, I, I, I don't admire, I don't admire, but I admire kids in the same breath because of the, the ability to get information disseminated so quickly, which means information can be received quickly. And I think the biggest peril right now as a parent is trying to, throttled the stream of information of where my kid is, 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 is learning things and to make sure, A, my wife and I are the biggest influence in her life. But secondly, it is hard to turn on a television or any other kind of form of media, even magazines, without someone trying to influence people. And with the proliferation and the speed of information going out, the ability to reach younger and younger audiences is now being able to happen much more frequently. So I feel like I've got to keep my head on a swivel just to make sure that not only am I a good example as a moral compass for her, but also making sure that things that she's hearing, seeing are age appropriate and it's becoming more and more difficult. I believe there's a time and place for everything. I'm a big first amendment guy, but I'm I, you know, but as a parent, I also have to be very restrictive in what she can see and what she can be exposed to. And that really is that's something that keeps me up at night, Michael. It's not it's not the job, it's not the economy. To me, it is at the end of the day when we send her out into the world. Is she prepared to make the right decisions uh, as as the as the world it becomes less and it seems like there's less and less grace out there, Michael. And maybe you can speak to this. It seems like we're becoming a more and more unforgiving society. We're looking for ways to tell you how you are imperfect or how you should be ashamed because you believe or don't believe this. I just want to give her the armor to be prepared for a world that seems to be continuing to become less and less respectful to each other. The armor, that's very interesting. So in other words, what you're saying is on a certain level, even though we have to give our kids love and we have to give them attention, we also have to teach them that the world can be a dangerous and unforgiving place and not to be uh, without that uh, vigilance that they have to protect themselves. 
Yes, I'm 51, and the biggest threat that I had as a kid was remembering to look both ways to go chase down the ice cream truck. That was that was my biggest problem, and, and maybe getting a skint knee playing kickball in the street. And it has now become uh, a case of where I've got to keep an eye on every commercial, every program, every ad that she sees, and and have to be very discerning. And I also... I, and, and, and maybe this makes me a bad guy amongst other parents, but I also have to be uh, very careful and also hold myself and my wife accountable on how we, you know, what, you know, how are we and what example do we set for not only my kid, but also her friends that may come over to play that it's not just the rest of the world. I also have to remember uh, it, those fingers that I'm pointing at everybody else. There's three fingers pointing back at me and I have to hold myself accountable and just remember uh, to not get caught up in a lot of the, 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 the worldly things and, 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 and the culture of the time. Um, but to me, at the end of the day, I want to, my hope is that she will see how much I love my wife because she, she needs to have an example of how parents are supposed to love each other. And also, as you, as we mentioned, the, the armor to be able to discern not only right from wrong, but to be able to make those right choices later in life when, when, I, when I don't have that influence. Tim, do you talk about these type of issues on your show, or have I taken you down a different path that, uh, that you usually do not discuss publicly? I do, I do talk about these things on the uh, show from time to time. I, I believe that it's very important that, uh, that I share these things with the audience, because if whether they're spending three minutes or three hours with me, there, as you know, you know, there's dozens of of choices to listen to in the morning in any market. You know, let alone you know, not just you know New York City or yeah, or, or wherever, but even in Market 51. And those people have made a choice to listen to me. They're trust they're trusting me with their time, and there there's that's an honor, and it's an and and, and I feel that there's an obligation that if they're going to make that choice, uh, then they need to have someone who is going to entertain them, but also inform them, but also be genuine, uh, because I believe it's not just listeners that we have, it's friends that we haven't met yet, and that there is a relationship, because they are giving something, they're giving their most precious commodity, their time, so uh, if, if they're trusting me with their time, I feel like I can trust them uh, with some of the things that I can say or, and just treat it like one big coffee table. That's an excerpt from a conversation I had earlier this week with Tim Van Horn, the morning talk show host on her affiliate KWAM Memphis. You can hear the entire conversation on my podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, at mhinterview.com. That's mhinterview.com. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Okay, we have time for one more. Joining us now is a man who's always standing by, the executive producer of the Michael Harrison rap, vice president and associate publisher of Talkers, and media law professor Matthew B. Harrison. I really enjoy talking to Tim Van Horn, Matthew. Uh, he, he is one of the most likable people. And that, of course, was just uh, an excerpt from the, um, the podcast. But um, I could see why he's very popular in Memphis. And on the podcast, we talk about Memphis, its rock and roll roots. And uh, we talk about uh, crime that they have and, you know, the major issues. But he ended the conversation that we just played with something very interesting. He talked about how valuable people's 
time is to them and 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 you know just basically in in general and you and i've been talking about that for a long time how time is one of the most valuable commodities of the modern era correct and and how uh, ideas are you know good ideas are, are a dime a dozen but finding one that's worth investing the time in is uh, obviously a lot more difficult. What an interesting uh, angle on that, because um, you know people people have plenty of ideas. You know, I should write a book. Uh, we should move to this city. We should move to that city. I should take up uh, playing the violin. Um, I should I should do painting. All of the different things people think about doing. An idea. Um, people in the media. You know, um, what a great idea for a movie. But then to, to, to take the time, I mean, it's enough to take the money, but to take the time to do it, uh, that means that it better be a good idea or you could wind up going down, you know, the rabbit's hole uh, into uh, a year of your life or more. Uh, it goes back to the thing of the things that, um, and, and again, this has been um, a, a fascinating uh, theme, not only of this show, but of... Um, a lot of conversations I've had that, that you have um, in your college um, lectures is um, that the big things that we're going to be running out of as the 21st century unfolds is the aforementioned time, clean water. There are going to be water wars already starting. As a matter of fact, water costs more, I think, than gasoline. <laughs> I mean, a, a cup of coffee now costs more than, uh, than fuel. And I know that sounds outrageous. And also privacy. Um, you've told me before we went on the air that um, you think that people value time more than privacy. Correct. And uh, people will uh, sacrifice the privacy for the convenience of whatever it is, like having the, the discount shopping card at the supermarket. Um, where they're actually tracking exactly what you're purchasing so that they can, you know, have trends and price accordingly and in stock accordingly. Um, and in the process, you get, you know, a 50 cent discount off your total bill. Interestingly, um, people do uh, bypass the fine print. <laughs> Correct. It's even more so with, with apps and things. It's, I mean, people don't read the terms of service. It's, it's impossible. It's, they're too long. So there's, time? There's, people, there's people sacrificing privacy because they don't want to sacrifice time. That, so so you're, you're absolutely right. Now, I think privacy is far more valuable than time, although obviously everything is within a, a, a reasonable context. I mean, you know, I'm not saying a, a moment of privacy is worth a lifetime of time. But um, uh, in general, as principles upon which our freedom is based, um, privacy is up there almost as important, if not as important, as the First Amendment. Because if, if every aspect of your life can be accessed by the government, by the police, by your enemies, by your bosses... Uh, your ability to uh, to make a living, well, then then you cannot really be free, as uh, would be the case if, um, if 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 you had more privacy. So I think privacy is more important than time, um, but um, time is a commodity. And um, what are your thoughts about the water? Do you think I'm out out to lunch on that? 
No, water is definitely a problem. Uh, clean water, but but even just any water that they they can eventually try and purify. It's it, the rivers are drying up in the heat. Um, and back to the privacy thing, the the Supreme Court, of course, feels that privacy is not inherent into the Constitution. Um, and that, of course, seems to be a big shift in that paradigm. Well, it's interesting um, because there is something in the Constitution about um, uh, searching, you know, uh, being, you know, it, it's not easy for the government to search and to, to come into your house and to, to look through your stuff. Um, and that's kind of an invasion of privacy as well. So, uh, hey, maybe I just figured out a loophole in that Supreme Court decision <laughs> that by, by accessing information, it's the same as coming into your house and breaking into your um, drawers. And that's an incentive to make sure you always have clean underwear. That's Matthew B. Harrison, our show's producer. He's associate publisher of Talkers and a law professor. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation. Looking back at the week of Monday, July 18th through Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michaelatalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications presented in association with Talk Media Network and Talkers Magazine. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. <laughs> <laughs>